in this week's market update. A third Prime Minister in seven weeks, but markets welcome a more stable outlook. Earnings season is in focus in America as midterm elections loom, and China is under the spotlight as President Xi Jinping consolidates power. Well, it may be half term in the UK, but there's no break either here or in the rest of the world from important market-moving political and economic developments. It's going to be another busy week for investors. Front of mind at home is obviously the Conservative Party psychodrama, which today saw the appointment of a third leader, and so Prime Minister, in less than two months. Following the decision late on Sunday by former PM Boris Johnson to withdraw from the three-horse race in the face of only lukewarm support from MPs, Rishi Sunak, the ex-Chancellor, was able to see off the only other challenge from Penny Mordaunt on Monday. He therefore secures the top job only weeks after he was beaten into second place by Liz Truss in the previous leadership contest. And markets welcomed the rapid and relatively smooth appointment this time round, with a rising pound and lower gilt yields reflecting apparently greater stability in Westminster after a volatile few weeks in UK politics. The expectation is that Sunak will continue with current Chancellor Jeremy Hunt's reversal just a week ago of another ex-Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng's mini-budget, which offered dramatic tax and spending cuts but shook markets which were unable to see how the government planned to pay for its radical programme. The pound is currently at around $1.13, compared to a low of just $1.03 shortly after that ill-fated mini-fiscal event, having responded strongly to Hunt's apparently steady hand on the tiller at the start of last week. Although gilt yields remain marginally above their level before that mini-budget, at around 4% for both the 10- and 30-year gilts, they have retraced much of their recent spike higher. That reduces pressure on households, businesses and the Bank of England. Mortgage rates are likely to settle lower than the extreme levels that threaten the ability of many households to remain in their homes in the face of much higher monthly payments. Businesses' borrowing costs should ease and the bank will face less pressure to counter an expansionary fiscal policy with higher interest rates than the economy can realistically bear. UK interest rates are now expected to peak at 5% next year, compared with a forecast of 5.25% a week ago. That's still more than twice today's 2.25%, but it does at least appear to put a cap on how far the cost of borrowing will increase in the months ahead. The pressure on the UK economy was confirmed on Friday, when retail sales data showed that consumers are feeling the pinch of higher heating and lighting costs, rising food prices and soaring mortgage costs. With the prices of unavoidable expenses rising fast, there's less disposable income left for many households and their appetite for significant discretionary purchases is fading fast as they prepare for tougher times ahead. Retail sales were down 1.4% in September, worse than expected, and showing a decline in food volumes as cash-strapped consumers cut back on basics as well as nice-to-have items. Whoever the new Chancellor is, following the change of Prime Minister today, he or she faces a daunting task, the first test of which is scheduled to be next Monday's follow-up to the mini-budget, 
a fiscal event that this time will have the benefit of economic forecasts from the independent Office for Budget Responsibility. The assumption is that the new or continuing Chancellor will confirm moves to plug an estimated £40 billion hole in the public finances that remains even after the reversal of most of the mini-budget's unfunded measures. Some of that will come from tax rises and some from spending cuts, but the current thinking is that much more will need to come from higher taxes than was the case during the austerity years that followed the financial crisis, because so many areas have already been cut to the bone. Outside the UK, the focus remains on the outlook for US interest rates, with hopes for a lower peak in the cost of borrowing feeding quickly into rising markets. That was very much the case last week when the market rose on three of the five trading days, including a big end-of-week rally on Friday that took the overall gain on the week for the S&P 500 to 4.7% and 5.2% for the tech-heavy Nasdaq index. Technology growth stocks are particularly vulnerable to higher interest rates and they benefit from expectations that rates will peak lower. The trigger for the rally last week was a Wall Street Journal article which suggested that the Fed might shift towards a slower rate of tightening from December, when expectations were for a fourth consecutive increase of 0.75 percentage points in US rates. They've risen from near zero to the current range of between three and three and a quarter percent and are now expected to hit five percent by the middle of next year. It's not just about the US either. In the past 12 months, there have been nearly 300 interest rate hikes around the world. For a stock market that in recent years has become addicted to low rates, that's self-evidently a problem. The question remains just how badly that increase in the cost of borrowing is going to hit company profits in the months ahead. That's crucial for the future direction of the stock market because so far, the 10-month bear market for US stocks has largely reflected lower valuation multiples, but not yet declining earnings. For now, the outlook for earnings forecast remains positive, but more sceptical market watchers wonder whether this is now a case of wishful thinking by company bosses and the analysts that follow them. It's in the interests of chief executives to talk up their company's prospects for as long as they can, and analysts are reluctant to challenge company bosses too much for fear of souring their relationship with the companies they follow. The net result is that earnings expectations can sometimes stay artificially high until forecasts look untenable, at which point they can correct sharply. So far, earnings season looks good. Results are better than somewhat reduced expectations, but it remains to be seen if the good news can last for the remainder of this earnings round and even more so into next year's results. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world, markets have started this week significantly on the back foot after last week's 20th Communist Party Congress in Beijing confirmed the consolidation of power of President Xi Jinping. More important than his election to a third term, which arguably makes him the most powerful Chinese leader since Mao died in the 1970s, is the shape of the senior leaders surrounding him, which experts believe points to a government that will be more concerned with social issues than economic growth. GDP figures, which were delayed so as not to distract from the Congress, this morning showed economic growth in the world's biggest emerging economy 
remains significantly below the ruling party's expectations. Growth in the third quarter of 3.9% was better than economists' worst fears of around 3.3%, but it's much slower than the targeted 5.5%. Crucially, there appears to be no end in sight to the severe COVID restrictions which have hit consumer spending so badly in China. Positive references to China's policy of restricting rather than living with COVID, as the rest of the world has chosen to do, suggest that the approach will remain in place for the whole of next year at least. In addition to the COVID drag, China faces an ongoing property sector crisis after years of overinvestment in the residential sector has created a massive overhang of empty space and a significant debt problem too. The Hong Kong market fell by 7% on Monday morning as investors expressed their view on developments in Beijing and that market now stands at a 14-year low. The other big market events this week are likely to be the central bank meetings of both the European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan. The two banks are taking very different approaches. The ECB is moving quickly to catch up with rising rates in the US and the UK and another 0.75 percentage point rise to 1.5% is pencilled in. That would be the highest rate since 2009 in Europe. Meanwhile, Japan is sticking with its highly accommodative monetary policy and paying the price in the currency markets, where the yen briefly rose above 150 to the dollar last week before central bank intervention stabilised the exchange rate. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.